0: This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey,
1: this is Riley Rossell, artist of Rasputin, Student, and you're listening to The Two Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort break, break it, down like good.
0: Broadcasting from the ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's my pleasure to welcome you to episode 184 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, October 29th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not going to be scrubbing the bronzer off my chest for the next week after my Halloween as Hulk Hogan, I am writing about collecting comics for wordpoint.com. I'm back, baby. I didn't even know you left. I know. Nobody reads it.
2: And, I, <laughs> and I'm and I Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not sweating off a mean Mike and I hang over from my Halloween festivities, I'm the manager of
0: Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our in-depth reviews of Deathlock number one, and Rasputin, number one. After that, we're going to review ten more of this week's new comics. Faster than conservative Christians can stop fighting the war on Halloween and switch to defense for the war on Christmas during the ludicrous speed round. Then, what about Thanksgiving? The Thanksgiving <laughs> offensive. I don't know if there is one. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss a couple of next week's comics while celebrating All Saints Day with a few of our holy comic book buddies. And finally, we're reintroducing the segment that started it all when we talk about the life and times of Deathlock during our Who the Hell Is This Guy segment. So, instead of violating your quarantine, kick back with the rest of the Halloween candy you didn't hand out. And then we'll talk about this week's big news!
2: Details about next year's reboot of the Terminator franchise have surfaced this week, courtesy of Entertainment Weekly. The new film, Terminator Genesis, that's G E N I S Y S. Not a typo, <laughs> will star Mother of Dragons Amelia Clark as young Sarah Connor. A Good Day to Die Hard starred Jai Courtney. That was the name of the fifth one. It wasn't
0: eat <laughs> and
2: die <it> hard? <laughs> he e- <laughs> die hard. As the time traveling Kyle Reese. Zero Dark Thirties. Jason Clarke as John Connor, former The Doctor, Matt Smith as John's right-hand man, and the Arnold himself returning as the titular android. Would we refer to him as former The Doctor and not former Doctor Who? His name is not Doctor Who. Oh, really? He's just The Doctor. Okay. Yeah. All right. EW also revealed that the film will deviate considerably from its inspiration. Quote, Sarah Connor isn't the innocent she was when Linda Hamilton first sported feathered hair, and acid-washed jeans in the role. Nor is she Hamilton's steely, zero-body-fat warrior in 1991's T2. Rather, the mother of humanity's messiah was orphaned by a Terminator at age nine, and since then, she's been raised by, brace yourself, Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Oh, boy. An older T-800 she calls Pops. Oh, boy. Who is programmed to guard rather than kill. As a result, Sarah is a highly trained antisocial recluse, who's great with a sniper rifle, but not so skilled at the nuances of human emotion, end quote. Speaking of the changes, Matt Smith told EW, quote, it's like going on tour again if you're Pink Floyd. The audience always wants to hear some of the old songs. And
0: members hate each other and refuse to appear on stage.
2: (laughs) There are enough nods to the past that people will feel satisfied, end quote. Matt, as the Ziggurat's foremost
0: terminatrix, how do you feel about this retcon? I, I just... I think there are certain things that we can let go that we can say thank you for your time <laughs> we had fun while i while was around but we're done now let's do something original and new i i don't dislike anybody that's cast in this no and maybe it could be fun i find it really hard to care i don't know like i read this and i just didn't get excited at all there was nothing in me that went oh that sounds cool And when I hear that, like, you're making a change, like, Sarah Connor was raised by the Terminator, like, I don't, I don't know, man. This just doesn't excite me. This doesn't do anything. Uh, Let me put
2: this out there. Uh, The reboot, it's the first of what they plan as a trilogy. Right. And it's going to be directed by Alan Taylor, who's done a bunch of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And he also directed Thor the Dark World. Which was great. So, at the very least, the talent behind it seems pretty good.
0: And I'm not saying it can't be. Good.
2: No, no, no. I am I am glad that they are doing a new story and not just no, redoing the original story. I totally agree with that
0: because it's broken. It's just absolutely broken. Uh, and I also, I did not hate the last one. I didn't hate the last one either. I hated the way it ended, but I didn't hate the last I one. I kind of forget the way it ended. I, other, I, like I blacked out after Arnold showed up. So. Well, they were, as you recall, you may or may not recall. I don't. They were supposed to kill John Connor and they changed oh, the end of the movie. Wasn't it? They were gonna kill John Connor, and what's his head from Clash of the Titans was gonna become John Connor.
2: Wasn't there something in there about oh right.
0: Right. W- but I was gonna say, wasn't there something in there about how he wasn't really John Connor? No. They were going to kill him and replace him with Terminator, but they instead, they like audiences didn't like the end and the test footage or whatever. So they switched it and Perseus from Clash of the Titans gave his life. Sam, what's his name? Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington gave his life to save John Connor. Okay, okay, okay. And it, it just like it was completely anticlimactic and nobody cared. Sure. I I I do have a I have a vague memory of Christian Bale's a bigger star, we're not going. Yeah, yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> I do have a vague memory of the story being It was weak. that John Connor was not really John Connor, but he was too important to die and yeah. so they had to replace him. It was but weak. they changed that, you said. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, okay, so it. it Which is we all. We both agree it was broken, and if you are going to do something else with it, then you've got to start all over. I don't. I mean, it remains to be seen whether this is a brave change or a dumb one. I guess we'll have to see. I'm just not real excited. And I'm. I'm kind of over Terminator. I'm just sure. Over I mean, I. And it's by no fault of this new idea. It's just the fault of the old Terminator. Sure.
2: I. I will say that while I am not. I'm kind of indifferent, like, I'll see it, yeah. and if it's good, then I'll be happy. That's where I'm at. But I'm glad, I will say that I'm glad that it's not Terminator 5. No, I, that's, and that's about as excited you know, as I You know, they're not that. gonna try to shoehorn it into what yeah. mess they already had.
0: I don't, I, it just, I don't know, I would almost rather that you took this cast and this director and let them do something fresh and cool. Eh. But whatever, we'll see. Could be fun. In other movie news, Marvel Studios broke the internet and when they revealed their plans for phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at a special event held in the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. It was a very Apple event feeling, (laughs) you know, to me. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige took the stage to announce the full slate for phase three of the MCU. Here's your rundown. Captain America Civil War, May 6th, 2016. We all knew that was coming. Doctor Strange, November 4th, 2016. You Might want to get on that one. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, May 5th, 2017, Thor, Ragnarok, July 28th, 2017, Black Panther, November 3rd, 2017, Avengers, Infinity War, Part 1, May 2018, Captain Marvel, July 6th, 2018, Inhumans, November 2nd, 2018, and finally, Avengers, I can't believe how old these actors are, Infinity War, Part 2, <laughs> May 2019 i will be 40 years old when the it's nuts f- uh, fourth avengers i'm movie gonna comes be out. 56 <laughs> as has been widely rumored it appears that phase three will see the culmination of thanos quest for the infinity stones marvel confirmed that 42 the jackie robinson biopic and get on up the james brown biopic star chadwick boseman will be playing the black panther who will make his debut in captain america civil war I think that they're going to tease him in Age of
2: Ultron, because that trailer has tons of Wakanda imagery, and I think Andy
0: Serkis, who is in the trailer, is playing Claw. Oh, really? I think so. That's kind of fun. That's kind of... And it would... I mean, obviously, that's going to be a credit cookie. There's no way. Gotta be. You've got to do it, right? And while it's not been officially confirmed, almost every major media outlet has reported that Benedict Cumberbatch has landed the role of Dr. Stephen Strange. Personally... I wanted Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I Whoa. think he would have been great, man. That's, no. Joe, I know you're a big cumber bitch. What's your reaction to this news?
2: I will say, though, I have come around and I totally want to see John Wick. It was so good.
0: I, <laughs> it was so good. They killed his dog. It was so good. And while he's walking around with a goatee and the long hair, I was just like, oh my God, he's Dr. Stephen Strange. <laughs> no, he would have been so bad. As oh, extras. I think he would have been awesome. Uh, I, Okay, so... Here
2: at the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast, we like to talk a lot about the differences between the way Marvel and DC do things. This is exactly where I want to go with it. And the way uh, we feel about what Marvel's doing versus the way we feel about what DC is doing. Essentially, with this announcement, with this event, Marvel did the exact same thing that DC did one week later. Yeah. But, the reaction, the level of excitement to this announcement versus DC's announcement is night and day. Yeah. Night and day. Yeah. I, I mean, even from
0: myself. Same here. I was just talking about this with Jeff hit, a buddy of ours at yeah. Shops at Legend. He was in the restaurant I work at yesterday, and he grabbed me in the middle of lunch service. We're very busy, and I had to stop working to talk about this. Yeah, that's Jeff. Nobody came in. And grabbed me the week previous, and went, Oh my god, that DC movie. Did you on. hear about the cyborg movie? <laughs> and I I hate to say this, but honestly, we discussed the DC movies uh last week on the show. Yeah. And we were like, Yeah, you know, could be fun. We'll we'll see what they do. I hope it's good. I'm a little worried about a couple of these, yeah. whatever. This list, there's only one that sticks out to me that makes me go, huh, that could be hard to pull off. The Inhumans movie. Okay. Uh,
2: there are still two Infinity Stones unaccounted for. Right. Right? We know, right. uh, they showed this teaser, and there's shaky cam footage out there of mm-hmm. it, if you, if you track it down, of, um, it's just cuts from past movies spliced together, ending with Thanos and, and the Infinity Gauntlet, like, full of gems. Right. And so, they have confirmed that Loki's staff from Avengers is one. Like, the green one, right? Oh, uh, I don't, no, the green one's the soul gem. Oh, that's right. So, that's Loki's one. staff was blue. Okay. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, one. It was the purple one. The or purple whatever. one. They've got the colors and the names all mixed up, yeah. so it's Thor best the, not to compare. Thor the Dark World, the, the Aether red one. from Thor the Dark World, and uh, the Tesseract from Captain America One, the oh. Cosmic Cube. Okay, okay. And so
0: I think that maybe the Terrigen Mist is one of them. Could be. I don't know. Could be. Uh, that's the only one I'm. I'm just a little like, well, mm, that could be difficult. The rest of these, totally into. I love Chadwick Boseman. As Black Panther. That is an awesome choice. I am excited about a Black Panther movie. We don't know yet, but that guy could be up for an Oscar this year. And if you've got Oscar award winning Chad, Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther, that's pretty f-ing awesome. Yeah, dude. And yeah, there's no reason why that movie is not going to be kick ass. Uh, it's going to be great. And a Captain Marvel, like people have been
2: clamoring for a solo female hero since they started this kind of superhero right. movie renaissance. Right. And
0: yeah, DC has Wonder Woman and they announced it mm-hmm. and that's great. And nothing against DC's Wonder Woman. Like, it could be fantastic. We don't know yet. We were both a little eh, with the casting of Gal Gadot just because, you But
2: know, then I watched all
0: six Fast and the
2: Furious movies in one weekend <laughs> and I kind of came around. She's just not as like big and she powerful. She doesn't necessarily
0: look the part right? right. Now, and this is a chance for Marvel to cast someone who is kind of a rough and tumble, but still hot, you know, military Captain Marvel. And I, I'm really curious to see who they get. Everybody's screaming for Katie Sackoff. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the it, easy it seems choice. Little, it seems a little too odd. But
2: now I'm thinking about it, and I'm not sure that... I'm not really sure that she's a great actress. Yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> I mean, she looks like Carol. Yeah. That's half the battle, right there. Yeah, if
0: you don't have the chops, you don't have them.
2: Right. And Newsarama put up an idea for casting, uh, they said, Emily Blunt. Not bad. Was in uh, Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise as like
0: super badass action action star, right?
2: And I like her and I don't have any problems with that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just excited. Uh, um, African-American solo star was huge news. First female driven uh, Marvel character movie. Huge news. This is really great stuff, and I think it's important to a
0: lot of people that they're doing this. And I want to say props to Marvel for taking an existing African American character and propping him up and yeah. saying, This is a kick ass character. We're going to well, make a to movie about fair, him. To be fair, the Black Panther is just African. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Well, taking. Oh, p- yeah, so we know what you mean. We're <laughs> taking a black character <laughs> yeah. and propping him up and saying, It's an awesome character. We believe in it, rather than forcing a black character into a formerly white role. And going, oh, look, diversity, you know, like Marvel has the diversity and they're showing and they're highlighting that. And that's awesome.
2: Right. And I, and I think that the Black Panther has a compelling enough story that he can definitely hold a solo movie. Absolutely. And they're going to, they're going to show him in this cat movie. And that's great. You know, as opposed to the Falcon, which they introduced in the Winter Soldier film this year, I think the Falcon maybe needs a little bit more propping up before he can fly on his own. (sighs) Wink. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, this is awesome news I'm excited for all of it I really and am too I can't believe that, like for real, I'll be 40 when Avengers I know, it's nuts It's finally happening Writer Jonathan Hickman took to Twitter this week to announce that Dustin Weaver has finished drawing the final issue of S.H.I.E.L.D. For those of you that weren't born when it started <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. was a series that reimagined the classic spy outfit as a millennia-old organization that played a hand in the secret history of the Marvel universe. Your favorite Renaissance artists were there, alongside Tony Stark and Reed Richards' dads. It was a magical time. But then, the book, which had been plagued by delays from the start, completely disappeared. On his blog on Wednesday, Weaver posted, quote, It is done! Shield is all drawn! (laughs) I drew the last panels just the day before yesterday, I'm not totally out of the woods yet. I'll still be communicating with Sonia Obak about colors.
0: Which makes it sound like she's like really hard to deal with. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to go. Like, oh, that diva, (laughs) Sonia Obak. So communicating
2: with Sonia Obak about colors and being involved in whatever way I can to make the final product as good as it can be. It isn't over till it's over. So it doesn't quite feel real yet. End quote. There's been no word yet. On when the finale of S.H.I.E.L.D. will surface, but now that the art is complete, expect to hear an announcement in the coming months. Matt, can you tell me what the hell was going on in that book? Because I honestly can't remember.
0: No. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, this
2: <laughs> I think, is not a joke. No, I
0: don't know. It was so complex. There was like a bird lady. It was so complex. In the future. And it was so long ago. And I think Sir Isaac Newton was the villain. Maybe. I, I mean, sort of. That seemed like where it was going. This was super, super high concept and happened so long ago that it's gone. It's literally wiped from my head. And it's really hard for me to get excited about this news because it feels like the time for this story passed and now they're just going to finish it to finish it. Well,
2: and because they're about to launch this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic book, like they've brought in the time that this book started, S.H.I.E.L.D. was gone. Absolutely. There was no S.H.I.E.L.D. And reinvented. And now they've
0: brought back S.H.I.E.L.D. and and it's going to have its own book very soon. And it certainly doesn't seem to have anything to do with what was going on here. No. I, so it's hard to be excited for this. And it's it, this reminds me of what happened to Planetary. Yes, but Planetary was self-contained. That's where I was going to go with that. The reason that it was okay that we had such a huge gap between the end of Planetary is because it was a completely self-contained story that you could sit down and read and go, that's a neat little self-contained universe, I don't care that it took that long to finish, awesome. Right. This is not. This is supposedly taking place with Tony Stark and Reed Richards' dad. So it happened in the Marvel U. It launched while Hickman was still writing Fantastic Four. And Secret... Secret Warriors. Uh, secret Warriors, yes. Yeah. And so it's hard to know, like, well, where does this fit in? Does it fit in? Are they going to sum it all up? I find it really hard to believe, because there's only like three issues left, right? I think just two. Two issues left? Yeah. They're going to sum this up in two issues? I don't even know what's
2: going on. I don't either. Well, obviously, I'm going to have to reread it from the beginning, which won't be hard, <sighs> considering there was only, I think, nine of them so far. I believe There was so. the
0: first six issues, and then there was a special. Yeah. And then they launched volume two, and there was maybe two or three. It's just been a mess, and it's been a mess in execution. Not so much storytelling, but I don't know that you can recapture my attention.
2: I'm willing to make the effort to sit down and reread it. Cause it's not a ton of material, no. But I'm not going to rush to do it either. And when, where does
0: it fit in? Where Where is this part of the Marvel? You? I mean,
2: it's in the past. It's in the Nebulous past. It's I guess. Be, it's before. I think it's before Tony and Reed have even been born, or maybe they're newborns. No,
0: they're not born yet. They're definitely not born yet.
2: I thought I could have sworn there was a scene where they were like,
0: they was at, they were at home with their baby or something. Uh, that may have been Reed. I anyway,
2: well, it, regardless, they're either not born or infants just and the way so, that we're
0: talking about it i got to yeah, tell you yeah right so it's like a weird dream that we had during like a fever <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> And that is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I will pay you money for the Cliff Notes version of Dustin Weaver and Jonathan Hickman's shield. In fact, you could make something up and we probably wouldn't know. Every Sunday, the impossible to follow and remember Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joe, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's questions... uh How long is too long to wait? This is a good one.
2: Delays are nothing new in comics, but where do you as a fan draw the line? Would you rather a publisher sit on a project until the creative team is finished, or should they seek fill-in creators in the interest of moving things along? And has there ever been a project that you were willing to wait for no matter how long the creators took
0: to get it done? I really like this one. This is sort of a... a meat of the matter, collecting, reading opinion. I like That's it. That's right. I like it.
2: And it's several questions here. You don't necessarily have to answer all of them. It's just we're having a discussion. Yeah. In general, about delays in comics, how you feel about them.
0: Because it's a thing. We it's deal with definite it. definite Every year, we deal with it.
2: You have until 5 o'clock this coming Friday, November 7th, to get us your answer. You can call and leave a message using Skype. The Skype panel is 2 a nerd, all one word. You can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Or you can send an mp3 to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. Please keep it short. I know that this is kind of an in-depth discussion, but three minutes or less would be great. Sum it up. We've got a lot of callers, and we all want to be part of the conversation.
0: got to share the air.
2: If you need more time than that, we'll have it up in the THN forums, in the Question of the Week section, and you can blabber to your heart's content, babies. Blabbermouth. mouth. It's review time on THN, where Matt and I look deep into the subtext of two of this week's new comics to see if they pose a threat to America's
0: youth. They do. Matt, what did you review this week? This week, I read Rasputin number 1 from Image, written by Alex Grecian, with art by Riley Rossmo. There are few historical figures with as much mystery and mythology behind their life than the mad monk Grigori Rasputin. According to legend, Rasputin was shot, stabbed, poisoned, hung, and drowned, but none of these attempts actually killed him, just like Alice Cooper. He was rumored to be sleeping with several different members of the Russian royal family, dabbling in witchcraft, and possibly even possessed by a demon. Writer Alex Gretchen seems to be playing with the Mad Monk's mythos in what's mainly a setup issue here that starts with a grown Rasputin narrating the first attempt on his life, a poisoning by his good friends. From here, Grecian takes us back in time where we see a young Rasputin with his cruel hulk of a father. The flashback is mainly silent, and it's here we learn that Rasputin has had abilities since his childhood. Rosmo is just perfectly on top of his game as usual with his weird, sketchy angular art and Bend-A dots for motion and just a fantastic setting and point of view shots. There's one panel during a flashback of Rasputin and his father ice fishing with two fish hanging in the foreground that just really struck me. He's really good at putting depth into his panels. Colorist Ivan Placentia definitely changes the dark hues of the modern setting to washed out blues and lavender in the flashback, making Siberia look even more barren and colder and cruel. Jumping straight into the main character's backstory before setting up who they are in the present could be seen as a problem for the narrative here, but... Rasputin as a character is one that a lot of people already have a notion of. It's sort of like writing about Frankenstein or Dracula. We all have an idea of where the character came from, and I think it was smart of Grecian to take a chance and show us a little bit of Rasputin's origin first, sort of, this is going to be my take on the character, not necessarily a true historical take on him. While leaving just enough mystery to keep us asking questions like, well, How do his powers work? Is it magic? Is he possessed? What's going on here? There's a real mystery building around one of history's most mysterious figures, and I think this is going to be a really fun ride. Now, I will say it was a quick read, and some people did criticize it for that, but I really enjoyed this. I think it's a great setup. I think it's a very interesting character, and I'm giving it a buy it. You know, I call bullshit on that
2: whole it reads too fast thing because it was beautiful. It really was beautiful. It was beautiful. Like it was, it was a gorgeous looking book and I did not mind at all that it only had a sparse bit of dialogue
0: because it told the story visually Yeah, in an like expert level. Well, and some of the criticism was that Grecian wrote in the back matter that this was a movie pitch him it absolutely is and they're doing it in comic book form as a movie pitch that's fine yeah so what I feel like everything that's done at image is a movie or TV you're gonna you're gonna dock the guy because right he wants it to be a pitch before it comes out instead of making it into a pitch after it comes out Not to mention the fact that like if this is storyboarded as a movie then it makes it very well done (laughs) well
2: yeah (laughs) because guess what very good very cinematic yes when it opened when it it flashed to him and his father in the past and it was this huge spread with sprawling letters that said yeah. Siberia uh I just that almost took my breath away yeah, it was beautiful just phenomenal
0: and it was I, a very uh sort of Mark Millar Steve McNiven trick <laughs> you know like they do yeah, with their big wide yeah, sure you know, wide angled shot and you know? but you know what it's a good trick and it, it it's a great trick and what I'm saying is nobody criticizes those guys when they right it. right
2: I loved it. I loved it. I, I didn't care that it only took me a couple minutes to read. No. It doesn't bother me. If it's well done, it's well done. Yeah. And this is well done. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Uh, I think the story is very compelling, and obviously the art is just
0: just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Joe Patrick, tell me about Deathlock number one. Death
2: Clock, number one. No,
0: that's a different thing. Yeah.
2: From Marvel Comics, written by Nathan Edmondson, with art by Mike Perkins. Henry Hayes is a medic who travels to war zones to heal the wounded, or so he thinks. He has no idea that when he's in the field, he's activated by a mysterious group and becomes the ultimate weapon of assassination and war. Deathlock! I've always had kind of a soft spot for the Deathlock concept, which gets rebooted literally every time Marvel brings it back. Pretty much. I've never really followed the character outside of his various guest appearances, so I appreciated how Edmondson kept the story simple. This is a whole new Deathlock, and the series hits the ground running without worrying about what came before. Hayes seems like a genuinely good man, a medic with Doctors Without Borders, or whatever they call it in the Marvel Universe. Medics Without Borders. And a single father to an ungrateful teenager. But with a simple code phrase, Hayes goes away, and Deathlock takes over. The first issue is fairly simple, action-packed, and exciting. There's a mystery behind who's pulling Deathlock's strings, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is on the case. Edmondson sets up plenty of plot threads for future issues, but lets the action do most of the talking here. I don't have much to say about the art by Mike Perkins, except that I loved it. I'm a huge fan, and I don't get to see his work enough. Yeah, no doubt. I know that he's been tied up for a while doing the licensed Stephen King books, but It's really good to see his name on a Marvel Universe title.
0: Did the scene of Deathlock jumping off the train?
2: That, absolutely. I was going to bring that up. That was
0: stunning. (laughs) I mean, really stunning. It
2: was gorgeous. This is a great entry point to Deathlock and an interesting take on the character. Edmondson and Perkins are an amazing team, and I'm
0: definitely looking forward to more. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm giving this a buy it too. And one of the things that I really liked about it was the way that they handled it gently. It's a new character. And we're being introduced to him. It's easy to follow what's going on. There's no question that there's something strange, but we know what's happening. And there's a scene where we see Maria Hill sitting down with another agent of Shield, mm-hmm. and I believe she spun out of the Black Widow, the most recent Black Widow. There is a reference
2: line, to a Black Widow storyline, which yeah. I
0: really like. They're doing that. Editor's again. notes. I love editor's yeah,
2: notes. Yeah, you don't need to hold my hand, like, man.
0: Just tell me where where yeah. to go. What's the blah blah blah? Read yeah. blah 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 to find right. out. You Absolutely. know, like that's awesome. But. In it, they show her a file that says deathlock and they yeah. open it up and we see the old deathlock, the old school deathlock. Yeah. And so they're acknowledging that that was still a thing. Right. This is a new deathlock that's happening and maybe an extension of that technology or whatever. But I like that it's not just gone. We're not erasing it. We're not ignoring no, it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because a lot of the deathlock resets that we've read have just completely reset <laughs> deathlock. It's, like, it's none weird. of that. Shit and counting. you know,
2: we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show. Yeah. Uh, but it it does seem weird how there are so many versions of the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, in the same universe.
0: And again, I like that Marvel is taking another black character, not forcing the diversity into the book and saying, here you go. Here's a character we believe in, just happens to be black, and he's going to be interesting to read, rather than forcing diversity into their line again. Origi- well, I think the... Or- original Deathlock was a black dude.
2: Yeah, I think Deathlock has always been black. Yeah. Well, I don't... To be fair, I don't know. The original Deathlock from the seventies, I don't know if he was black or not. I think he was. But the one from the nineties, the the popular revival in the nineties, he was a black man that was. We're gonna taken talk over about that side.
0: more later on, the history of Deathlock. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, great book here. Great I, read. I liked it. In, yeah, Nathan Edmondson deserves a good shot like this, and this is a great place to put him. You get the military action, you get superhero stuff. This is obviously gonna be kind of an antihero type story. Sort of reminded me a little bit of like a bloodshot idea. Oh, kinda, yeah. But I really enjoyed this. I think it's a cool direction to go with Deathlock.
2: It, it should be pointed out that this is obviously possible because of the character's appearance on Agents of Shield. Oh, of course. But it doesn't matter. Like that does not matter no. here. It stands completely on its own. It's just a great read. And the only thing that that show has done is get more eyes on this character. Yeah. And I I'll think give it's a good thing. So that's a double buy-it for both Rasputin number 1 and Deathlock number 1. Of course, we want to know what you unkillable lunatics and cyborg killing machines thought of these comics. So slay us with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking
0: the forum button at at twittednerd.com. The war on Halloween is over, and the Christian right lost. Once again, demons and devils tempted our nation's youth with sugary treats, and Satan laughed though this battle has ended. The war continues as we gear up for the holiday season. Well-armed, angry Christian NRA members everywhere prepare to go on the defensive for the war on Christmas. So join Joe, myself, and the rest of the Lords of Discipline, your official biker gang, THN, as we make a gun run northbound to Santa's Village to arm the elves before all hell breaks loose while we review 10 of this week's new comics starring... Oh, go! True Stories, number one from
2: Alternative Comics. Legendary alt cartoonist Durf Backderf recently wrapped up his long-running comic strip, The City. That is not his real name. (laughs) No, Matt, it is not his real name. I love it. And Alternative is collecting them all in this series of $6 issues. There's a lot of really funny observational stuff here, but there's also a lot of pretty intense disrespect for the overweight. Now, I realize that I'm in that demographic, but I am not overly sensitive about it. Matt makes fat jokes to me all the time. It washes right off my back. That is not true. It's true. Baxter treats fat people with the same disdain that he shows litterers and people that drive gas-guzzling SUVs. And it wouldn't be a problem, except there are several examples of him revisiting this theme just in this issue alone. Is he a fat person? I, have, I doubt it. I mean, because, like, maybe it's okay it was okay you know, sure you right there was enough of it that i noticed it and so that kind of took me out of it okay so i'm giving it a skim it dread uprise number
0: one from rebellion set in the dread movie continuity this story sees what happens when urban renewal comes to the meanest neighborhood in mega city one spoiler alert it doesn't go well Really nice art by Paul Davidson, who's been working on X-Men Legacy, and a solid story by Arthur Wyatt, who also wrote the Dread Underbelly comic movie sequel that I gave a huge buy at last time. 32 pages for 3 dollars there's a lot of comic here. If you dug the movie, you will dig this, buy it. Marvel's 75th anniversary celebration from Marvel Comics.
2: I just assumed that this was gonna be all reprints, but it's actually full of original stories honoring Marvel's big anniversary, James Robinson and Chris Somney revisit The Birth of the FF. BM Bendis and Michael Gatos reunite for a really touching Jessica Jones story. There's just a lot of great stuff in here. Bruce Tim illustrates the text piece that Stan Lee wrote. Stan Lee's first ever comics work oh, wow. from Captain America number 3 in 1940-whatever. Bruce Timm adapted it for comics.
1: Oh,
0: wow.
2: Yeah, it's weird. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, there's just a ton of fun stuff in here. I really enjoyed it overall. A couple of them are kind of eh, but just it's packed with content. I'm giving it a buy it. All right.
0: God Killer. Walk Among Us, number one from Black Mask. Apparently, this story, called a Psy Horror Adventure in The Solicit, is about a boy's search for a new heart to save his dying sister in a post-nuclear wasteland populated by fallen gods, sex magic, and quantum physics. It is a very high concept premise. Stings into sex magic, right? That's his deal? I think so, yeah. No, that's red hot chili peppers. Oh, Yeah, blood sugar and sex magic. Okay. And I read this comic, I really did, but I couldn't sort out any plot here at all. The writing is not bad, a little impenetrable, but not bad. The art on its own is breathtaking in some panels but also impossible to follow in others. It was so highly stylized, I could not tell one character from the next. This is obviously a very talented creative team, but they need to tone this down a little. It was nearly impossible to follow, but very pretty to look at. Get in going to skim it for the effort. Beast Commandos, number one, from Amigo. On paper, this... You nothing to say about
2: it. It's... Uh... <laughs> On paper, this is a parody mashup of 80s action movies and 90s extreme animal cartoons like SWAT cats. Oh, God. Street got sharks. It. In execution, though, it's kind of an unfunny mess. The art isn't bad, but I really can't recommend picking this up. That's really all I have to say about it. All I'm right. giving it a leave it. Okay. It, look, good effort. It's not funny. I'm sorry. All right. It's not funny. It's not funny.
0: Dark gods, number one from Avatar. Luther Strode writer Justin Jordan gets his first shot at an Avatar title, and it is a hot mess at best. We meet a main character who might not have a name that works for a Facebook analog. He's been secretly feeding US government info on a secret behavioral experiment they've been conducting, so it's plucked right out of the headlines. But the company finds out. Oh, and they're evil. Oh, and they're going to eat him. (laughs) But the story... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, (laughs) seriously. But then the story is suddenly interrupted for several pages of historical exposition narrated by someone. Then we jump back to our hero. I think it's (laughs) God. (laughs) It could be. Or Dark God, anyway. Then we jump back to our hero running for his life, and the story is suddenly interrupted again for more history of the Dark Gods. Bad storytelling, bad art, this was terrible. Mr. Jordan, I expect more from you, buddy, leave it. I play the bad guy, number one from Bliss on Tap. A former superpowered operative goes after
2: his ex-partner with extreme prejudice after his daughter's disappearance. Fun idea, compelling good guy goes bad story, rough art. But it shows a lot of promise. It was drawn by the same guy that did that future proof Oh, okay. We liked him, I thought. Uh, Well, I didn't read Future Proof. You did. I read Future Proof. Yeah, Uh, I I, like it. It's got promise, but, you know. Okay. He's developing. Okay. It's a strong skimmet. I thought it was fun. When I looked at it, I was like, what the f*** is this? But it's
0: actually pretty fun. I like the title. The title is great. Roman Ritual, number one from Amigo. Amigo stalwart El Torres gives us the story of a string of serial possessions that have been plaguing the Vatican. Only one man can save them now. Self-exiled priest John Brennan is the best exorcist the church has. And he's been called in for the biggest exorcism the Roman Catholic Church has ever needed. Great story. Solid art from Jamie Martinez and Diego Galindo. This was creepy, creative, and just a kick-ass read. You know what it was? It was Avatar done right. I'm saying buy it. The Phantom, number one from Hermes Press. I don't give a about the phantom i kind of do Big not thing. one sh- only when it's billy zane because it's so <laughs> attractive
2: but if you throw talent like peter david and the amazing sal valuto at the character i'm going to pay attention i
0: had no idea that was the creative team you was. betcha this was a really
2: well done comic by two comic book legends it's got kind of an old-fashioned style but i like that sort of thing i thought it was great i'm gonna read it now buy it i love both those yeah guys. i dug it Guardians of the Galaxy number 20 from Marvel.
0: Okay, this is really it. We finally find out what happened to Richard Rider in the Cancerverse when he, Star-Lord and Drax all went to fight Thanos in the Abnett and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy. And Joe was right. He's not going to like it. But I can't say this wasn't more high quality Guardian storytelling with great art by Ed McGuinness and Valerio shitty skeety. You just have to wonder Why did they do this to Richard Ryder? I mean, we all... Spoiler alert. We all thought he was dead. Turns out, yep, he's dead. Come on. Three issues to get to that. I'm still giving it a buy it because the book is very high quality, but this kind of felt like a waste of time. I'm offended. You know what? Skim it. Oh, dang. Skim it. I'm mad. Okay. Skim it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That is your looper speed round. And Squirch is the sound of someone doing something unpleasant to someone else who's wearing a gas mask in the pages of God Killer, Walk Among Us, number one. Looked cool. No idea what was happening. It claws were involved. Yeah, definitely. I know that
2: Matt is constantly extolling the values of Satan worship on this show, but some of us are still Christians. And today just happens to be All Saints Day. Hey,
0: I'm playing along. All right.
2: So I've invited the Crusader, Battle Pope, and the Angel Zoriel to bless the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. That is a motley crew. And chase away some of the malignant entities that Matt has invited. Matt, while the Holy Rollers consecrate the Sanctum, what do you say we talk about what we're excited to read next week?
0: Next week, how could I not be excited? For the humans, number one, from Image Comics, written by Kenan. Kenan Keller. Kevin Keller. Written by Kevin Keller with art by Tom Neely. (laughs) Popular gay character, Kevin (laughs) Keller. (laughs) Popular gay Archie character, Kevin Keller. Here's your solicit. Apart, they are nothing. Deemed by society as outcasts, misfits, losers, no good punks. But together, they are the humans! The humans! is a high-octane, no-holds-barred, ape, biker gang. That's right, I said ape. Chopper ride into 70s exploitation genre bliss. Follow Bobby, Johnny, and all The humans, as they fight and fly down the road to oblivion on a ride filled with chains, sex, leather, denim, hair, blood, bananas, and chrome. Oh, shit. It's a monkey biker gang, man. Yeah. It's like they plucked this right out of my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, what are you excited for next week?
2: Next week, I am pumped for Tooth and Claw, number one from Image Comics. We're both
0: going for anthropomorphic books. What is with us?
2: Boy, we're closet furries. This one's written by Kurt Busiek with art by Ben Dewey and colors by Jordi Belair. Here's your solicit. Marvel's an Astro City writer Kurt Busiek returns to Image Comics with rising star Ben Dewey for an all-new ongoing series. These are all, these words are in all caps for no reason. I'm not, I'm not shouting them. That's cheating. I have a sore throat. You're cheating. Conan.
0: You want me to shout them? Ongoing series!
2: <laughs> Conan meets Game of Thrones meets Commandy in an original high fantasy epic for mature readers as a secret conclave of wizards brings a legendary champion back through time to save the world with disastrous consequences. The action begins in a spectacular double-sized first issue with 48 pages of story, no ads, for the regular price of just $2.99. What a deal! What a deal! <laughs> so we talked about this a while back. Let's they about they both of these. Announced that, yeah, yeah. Uh, they announced both of these books at the Image Expo. Yeah. And Tooth and Claw looks gorgeous. They look amazing. Looks gorgeous. And
0: all new, creator-owned stuff by Kirby Busiek. I'm in. Yeah, definitely. The THN trade of the week goes to The Leg from Top Shelf Productions. Written by Van Jensen. With Omaha art. native. Oh, really? Yep. I did not know that. With art by Jose Pimienta. 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 Right? Okay. Sure, yeah. Here's your solicit. Writer Van Jensen. Pinocchio the Vampire Slayer. The Flash. He wrote The Flash? He is co-writer on The Flash, yeah. I did not know that.
2: And Green Lantern Corps.
0: Okay. I did not know this. Yeah. And Jose Pimienta bring you the strangest hero that comics has ever seen. The disembodied leg of Santa Ana has returned from the grave. And with Mexico once again in peril, it's up to the leg to save the country in this rollicking surreal adventure story that blends spaghetti westerns with Mexican history and folk tales and disembodied legs. Join the leg on his unforgettable journey last week We read the solicit for the DMC comic and said, well, this is about as bizarre as it gets. I guess we have to read this one. (laughs) Maybe we were a little early to judgment. I don't know.
2: (laughs) You know what? Every time I hear Santa Ana, just in context, in conversation, I immediately shoot to Jan Hooks giving an Alamo tour in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, okay. Santa (laughs) Ana. There's no basement in the Alamo. (laughs) Adobe. (laughs) R.I.P. Jan Hooks. Yeah. She yeah, died. she died. That's sad. Yeah, real sad. She's young. After you've finished exercising the demons from your nerd cave, let us know what you're looking forward to reading
0: over at the THN forums. That is not code for your butt. We're just talking about like wherever you go to read your comics.
2: Your nerd cave is not your butt. Oh, yeah, that's,
0: right. the,
2: I, I feel like it goes without saying, but apparently not. Not, not on this show.
0: <laughs> I said who? Who the hell are you? Not many of you know our secret origin. I didn't even know. Mainly because Joe refuses to draw it. But THN began as a little segment for the Marvelicious Toys podcast where we hosted a short audio segment called who the hell is this guy? One time. We did it one time. We did it three times, buddy. How come I don't I still remember have all of them. this? I still have all the audio. I'll play it for you. Holy crap. Basically, the toy nerds called the comic nerds to find out the secret files and origins of a character they've never heard of. The first one we did, Whiplash. While we're constantly in search of new and original ideas for segments, new and original ideas are hard to come by these days. So, in honor of Deathlock's return, we thought this was the perfect time. To resurrect. Who the hell is this guy?
2: And just like the Marvelicious Toys podcast, we're too lazy to do it ourselves. It's true. So we've enlisted the help of the official THN comics historian Jason Sachs aka Jason Sexier, for this edition of Who the Hell is Deathlock? <laughs>
1: Hi, Jason Sachs here, newly appointed THN official comics historian to tell you the story of Deathlok the Demolisher. Deathlok first appeared in the pages of Astonishing Tales number 25, cover dated August 1974. But he really is part of a longer line of events that happened in both the real world and in the comics industry that brought upon a long era of darkness. Um, People tend to think of the mid-70s as a darker era in American history, and that's certainly reflected in our comics. In 1973, Gwen Stacy was killed, Marvel expanded their line of comics into more and more monsters including Frankenstein, The Living Mummy, Brother Voodoo, and the most improbable series of all, The Son of Satan. 1974 brought the first appearance of Wolverine, the first appearance of The Punisher. Uh, as well as a a 10-issue series in Adventure Comics from DC of the Spectre, which was one of the most violent comics of all time. So reflecting a kind of zeitgeist of the time, there's a lot of turmoil in America. OPEC had embarked on an oil embargo starting in October 1973 that caused the price of a barrel of oil to spike from $3 to $12, which was a shock that America really had never seen before. Um, The embargo was lifted in March 74, but the turmoil continued throughout the year. There was an inflation rate of 4%, which was also unprecedented. There was also a paper shortage brought on by a series of strikes at paper mills and railroads in Canada that year, and that also prompted a lot of stress, particularly in comics. Um, Charlton Comics canceled their entire line in late 1973 and revived it in 1974. The number of violent crimes, burglaries, rapes, robberies, and murders recorded to the police in 1974 was nearly twice what it was in 1967, and of course uh, Richard Nixon resigned that year, uh, being chased by the crisis that he had brought in with the Watergate scandal. So America was just a dark place. There was a lot of angst and anger, it seemed like the post-war affluence and power of America was beginning to wane. In that world, Deathlock the Demolisher debuted. He was a creation of Fantastic Four artist Rich Buckler, as well as writer Doug Mensch. Deathlock was a mutated half-human, half-cyborg named Luther Manning, living in the dystopian future of 1990. Manning was a trained assassin who rebelled against his handlers, pursuing violent revenge against those who had destroyed his body and turned him into a killer. The concept of cyborgs captured the public's imagination in the early 1970s. Martin Caden's popular science fiction espionage novel, Cyborg, presented the idea of Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Astronaut. A man barely alive. An American astronaut who was nearly killed in a flight, but has his limbs and an eye replaced by a mysterious government agency. Caden used the term bionics to describe the technology that was used on Austin. That novel was adapted for the hugely popular TV movie The Six Million Dollar Man, which appeared on ABC TV on March 7, 1973, inspired two follow-up films later that year, and the top-rated TV series that debuted in January 1974. The public quickly grasped the idea of a man merging into a machine, and the term bionics entered the national lexicon, especially among kids. Thus the ground was set for Buckler's long-simmering creation, which seized upon both the public's interest in bionics and his passion for more violent heroes to reflect the times. Deathlock was the epitome of the protagonist who used any means necessary to struggle for causes that he desperately believed were right, most especially those involving his estranged wife and their young son. Their character was first referenced in the fourth issue of Marvel's in-house fanzine, Foom, cover dated winter 1973. As an upcoming feature with the note, World's Unknown, which at that time was an anthology series presenting adaptations of famous science fiction stories, will concentrate on the Doug Mensch, Rich Buckler presentation of a strip based on a half-man, half-machine cyborg. Buckler provisionally called this character Deadlock. Sounds like an Image Comics name, doesn't it? But 10 minutes before Buckler and Mensch were to present the character to Marvel editor-in-chief Roy Thomas, Mensch suggested the name Deathlock. No C, Deathlock. Thomas preferred Mench's suggestion and the name stuck. While the subtitle The Demolisher was added by Marvel's editorial team, this ambiguous hero-villain lived up to that name demolishing everything in his path in his righteous quest for vengeance. Clad in futuristic armor with a half-rotted face and carrying a laser gun and ankle knife, Deathlock was a horrific vision of futuristic nihilism and violence. He was perhaps the most ruthless anti-hero of Marvel's mid-1970s period practically assuring his status as a cult favorite. One thing that uh, you may not know about Deathlock is that his series was also notable for containing the first professional work by an artist who would soon attain legendary status, George Perez. Working as an assistant to Buckler at the time, Perez drew a two-page backup in Astonishing Tales 25 that told a humorous take of how Buckler and Mensch created Deathlock. After assisting Buckler in stories featuring Deathlock, the Black Panther, and the Fantastic Four, Perez went solo and quickly received the claim as a Marvel artist in his own right. The full run of Deathlock the Demolisher, including a uh, sequel from Captain America in the 1980s, is available in the Deathlock Masterworks, which is probably still available on Amazon. And um, if you'd like to learn more about the history of comic books in the 1970s, Please look up my book, The American Comic Book Chronicles of the 1970s, published by Tomorrow's Press. It's available on Amazon. There's a digital copy available on tomorrow's.com as well as excerpt if you'd like to read more. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys, for uh, having me do this. See you later.
0: Jason Sexier. Thank you so much, man, for that historical perspective. On Deathlock. Absolutely. Historical and cultural perspective. That was fantastic. That's why we keep that guy around. That is why he's the THN Historian. Gotta love that guy. Go to ComicsBulletin.com and read more by him. Brilliant dude. Loves what he does, too. Absolutely. Passionate about comics. Passionate about Deathlock. So Deathlock has popped up a few
2: times. Many times. Since the seven. Many times. There have been a number of different versions of the character. And like we said in uh, the review earlier... Every time they bring it back, it's essentially a blank slate. Slightly know? different. Still uh, a cyborg. Right. And sometimes they build on what came before. Sometimes right. they don't.
0: For a while there, like, Deathlocks were just kind of popping up as, like, mercenaries. Like, oh, man, these guys bought a bunch of Deathlocks and reprogrammed them. Yeah.
2: In <laughs> uh, in Wolverine Weapon X by Jason Aaron, yeah. they were from the future. Uh, yeah. Like, the original Deathlock was also from the future. Uh, but there was
0: uh, an army of them, if I recall. There was a bunch of them. Yeah. And and there was one that hung out with X Force for a little bit too.
2: Yeah, one stayed behind yeah. and 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 fought his programming or I forget, but yeah, he was in um, Rick Remender's X Force. Right. Uh, so the, probably the most popular revival of Deathlock happened in the '90s. That's the one that kind of stuck around the longest. Yeah. And that was Michael Collins. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie wrote that. Uh, it was a prestige format book, a mini series that launched an ongoing. Uh, so that's probably. I, I would argue the most popular version of the character. Certainly that's the when, longest
0: running. 34 yeah. issues.
2: That was when most people kind of became familiar with the character. At that, at that, Previous to that, you know, the 70s version of Deathlock had kind of faded away for a while. Right. But they keep bringing it back over and over. Uh, there was a version of Deathlock in Avengers Arena by Dennis Hopeless. Deathlocket. Uh, a, a little girl. She <laughs> which was great. It was awesome. Her dad, like, invented Deathlocks or whatever, and he... Made her into one.
0: Well, she was sick.
2: She had was injured. Like, yeah. so, uh, she got well, in a car just, accident oh, right, or something. Right. I was something bad happened to it. her, and he did that to save her. Sort of like DC's Cyborg. Sort of like DC's Cyborg, except he was more of a mad scientist kind of guy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and now we have this new version of Deathlock, Henry Hayes. Uh, again, a new take on the character, but one that obviously... Will have something to do with past versions. Right. Still a cyborg. He's got a robot leg. Yeah, he's got uh, cybernetic parts. And maybe more. We don't know. We don't know.
0: We've only really seen
2: the leg. Not even he knows. Yeah. So that's Deathlock in a nutshell. If you want to learn more about Deathlock, there's a lot of Deathlock stuff out there. Jason's book, The American Comic Book Chronicles, the 1970s, touches on it. Great read. Absolutely. Wikipedia, an oddly informative resource when it comes to Deathlock, fairly <laughs> comprehensive. <laughs>
0: This was great. I really enjoy bringing this back. This is a fun segment. And Joe and I tend to forget that just because we're nerds and we know all about this crap doesn't mean that everybody that's listening knows. You want to know who the hell someone is? Get on our forums. Go to the Who the Hell is This Guy page and kick in your suggestion for who you want to learn about next. We'll get together with Jason or somebody else who's way smarter than us and we'll figure it out together. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for episode 184 of THN. If you like your coffee black like your cyborgs, too, you should subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts. It helps us to connect with other potential listeners. We were on the What's Hot page on Stitcher's front page not too long ago. I want to get back there.
2: Thank you to our latest donor, Jamie Hancock. And if you want to help fund our new Cyborg appendages, click our PayPal button at twittednerd.com and we'll be shooting our metal fists off in no time. That's my favorite superpower. I need that. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. And if you're interested in sponsoring this embarrassment of a podcast, shoot us an email
0: with a subject line sponsorship. Please do it. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this half-man, half-machine list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your ask and question or trivia or... Defend your questionable nerd tastes in front of the two-headed judge for our defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, written and drawn by a rogue AI of your creation, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, write haikus about your favorite cyborgs, or just rap about comics. I demand haikus about your favorite cyborgs. (laughs) (laughs) Very difficult.
2: Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page and watch the forums. If you want to get in on the question of the week discussion, and then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the answer of the week podcast. But if you need more THN in your life now, get over to Twitter and check out our fabulous written content by the likes of Aaron Myers, who writes ludicrous speed reviews, Anthony Mathers, who writes everything else we do. Right.
0: just about everything
2: and coming soon, hopefully, Real life book reviews by potential love slave recruit Andrew McBride. Andrew McBride,
0: like books with no pictures?
2: Books with no pictures? Are they nerd related?
0: Yeah, yeah. Sci-fi, okay, okay. sci-fi and superhero novels. Okay, okay, okay. Good. I like I don't want no serious novel stuff. Come on, <laughs> Dostoevsky, War and Peace, the review next week. The new and improved Ask a Nerd makes its return. Exclamation point! Before we go... Wait, what are we doing? I'll tell you about (laughs) it. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Jack, the King Kirby, whose name has taken its rightful place on the Marvel Comics masthead. Just like the Catholic Church, they like to wait hundreds of years after someone's dead to say, our bad, you were right. Kirby's name was listed as a creator alongside the contemporary writers and artists of several of this week's Marvel titles, and it's here to stay. Word to you, Mr. Kirby... Sorry it took so fing long. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might piss you on the mouth for it, as long as you're not showing symptoms.
2: This is the Two Headed Nerd. And sometimes even if you are, signing off. I mean I'm not picky.